Tucker Hebert, welcome to the Path to Follow podcast. Coach Scott, excited to be on. Am I the first student you're, on this? You're the first student I'm on honored. here. It's been very honored. Yeah. Well, you're the class. You're the school president, right? I am not the class president. You're the school. President. I am the school president. Yeah. So tell me about that. What's what's that been like this year in such a bizarre situation? Now you're the school president. What what what's working? How are you making it happen? It's definitely. A lot different than years past, obviously, like most things during this weird year. Um, so usually in years past, I mean, the president's been kind of the, the focal point of the student body. So he's leading the assemblies, organizing the dances, our all school events, um, and obviously just being online and not really being able to gather in, in person. Um, it's definitely been a challenge to kind of find ways to, to like continue to lead the school and, and be that kind of just leader of the student body. So I've really just been trying to find ways that I can kind of do my role as president just from obviously from my house basically. So whether that's um, trying to like the food drive, for example, um, without just sending out reminders all the time um, or helping organize that um, through emails and just Zoom, a lot of Zooms with the student council, um, Mm -hmm. just trying to get that involved and then just trying to find ways to kind of keep the student body motivated. So um, that's got to be tough right now, right? Yeah. So at last year, I mean, that was probably the toughest thing about the spring. Um, Just everyone kind of felt didn't really have just had a lack of motivation Um, and it just not being able to see each other was was really hard. So um, this year, I mean, being on campus obviously helps a couple of days a week, but it really just trying to to keep the community engaged. Um, like early in the year, we did a little um, for the Ravens Chiefs game. Um, we did a kind of pick 'em style ga- uh, giveaway. So if you guess the score of the Ravens Chiefs game, um, if you got the correct score, you want a gift card. So trying to do little things like that to kind of keep everyone motivated and trying to like find fun ways to keep the Gilman community alive a little bit. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but certainly way different from years past because the the school president at Gilman and I learned this my first year here I was I was the president of my class in high school too and uh it wasn't anywhere near the responsibility you have as the leader of Gilman um and like I remember like you run the assemblies you organize all the major events you work with the administration on planning certain things, a lot of spirit and organizing mm-hmm. like student sections and everything. What, what made you like, why'd you want to become the school president? It's a lot on your back when you're trying to get into college and do your work and, you know, have an enjoyable senior year. It's a lot more work. Why, why'd you want to do that? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it definitely took a lot of thought into kind of, do I want to take on kind of that burden and, and that, uh, the time commitment that it takes to be the student body president. I mean, from talking to the past presidents, either like Paul or Quinn um, or Piper, just learning, just seeing how much work they put into it. And along with writing college applications and kind of the senior workload of the fall, um, that I really want to take that on. Um, And really, I didn't know that I really wanted to run until probably a month or two before we had to let, um, I think, Ms. Fuller know that Mm -hmm. we're going to run for student body president. And it was really just a kind of collective of things so um i just thought that uh i mean i freshman year and sophomore year i was part of the student council so i was freshman class treasurer and then sophomore class president so i'd been around the student council meeting so i kind of knew um what that looked like and kind of the inner workings of the presidency so i saw what really they did behind the scenes um with the student council so um, i thought i was definitely i thought i could do, do a, a good job at, as the president I saw, like I knew um, what I could do and kind of how to do it. And really good, another, um, I don't want to spoil senior retreat, but um, yeah. that definitely was an encouraging experience for, for me, um, just getting to know some of the older guys, um, kind of their encouragement a little bit to the seniors from last year. Oh, so you were a junior on that. I was senior. a junior on senior retreat. Um, yeah, what? so I went on retreat my first year here, and there are a lot of juniors there. Why do they invite juniors? What's the purpose behind that? So the purpose for that is, so we they invite juniors on senior retreat. I think it's probably anywhere between like 10 to 16. Um, and their goal is kind of to experience retreat so they can lead it the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, so last year, myself and I think 11 other kids um, went on senior retreat and our goal was to lead it this year. Obviously, it's been postponed to, to the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but really just to kind of get a learning experience um, and try to make learn from senior retreat to make it special for for our class. Um, so for people who don't know about senior retreat, what is that experience like? I know we take buses and we go. I don't even know where to, it was my first year and uh -huh. I, don't, I don't know anything about Maryland we coming go out down to, here. To we go, we go Frederick, far out there. Frederick, Maryland. Frederick, Maryland. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much because okay. retreat supposed to be kind of a, a special secretive experience. Yep. Um, but really it's just kind of a, a time for your class to come together in your last year. Um, mm -hmm. Really it's when you get to know, you're really able to get to know your class, every individual in your class. So it's really kind of a, just a bonding experience to, to bring your class together before you guys head off to college. Um, yeah, it was pretty special, and I hope that you guys get the chance to I know. do that in the spring. Mm -hmm. um, but but it was a cool experience getting to see different sides of some people that you you might not hear from or know that well in your class, mm -hmm. right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so what was your campaign like to, to run for the president? Like, how does that go down at Gilman? Because I, I know from my experience – I remember putting up flyers around the school and we, we, we actually didn't give a speech, which is kind of absurd that I didn't mm -hmm. have to give a speech and I was running for president. But um, what, what was that like for you here? Um, well, I, we were online. So that kind of threw yeah. another challenge. Into it's a brand it. new exactly. skill set you had to. I know. So a lot of it was just kind of campaigning through through underclassmen. So I'd send a text to, to some underclassmen that I'm close with, um, try to get the word out. Um, I think really campaigning just for me kind of started since freshman year, just getting to know guys. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably my biggest strength is just being able to build relationships with people. So I just think through the relation, relationships I've built with with guys through being in the class or on the sports field um, definitely helped me um, just getting to know them. And then also just being vocal when like around the campus. I mean, just kind of be, before um, lockdown, just kind of being a figure in my class. I mean, people knew me just because of – being like sophomore president, um, just mm -hmm. going to sports games. So I think just trying to be, um, just being a representative of your class definitely helped me. So people just knew who I was. I mean, a lot of that I feel like has to do with um, becoming school president here. It's just kind of name recognition. Do people know you? Um, right. So I think just getting the word out through underclassmen and I, I send a couple of things out on like Snapchat to like vote for me. So I got, I mean, just using social media. Snapchat, huh? Snapchat, is that, yeah. Is that... I wouldn't think of Snapchat as almost like a campaign device to uh, think of Instagram, mm -hmm. right? And when I was in high school, probably Facebook was mm -hmm. more popular. Now, I don't think any of you guys even probably no, have a I Facebook, don't have a Facebook right? Facebook. No, I did Snapchat, not. Snapchat, okay. Uh -huh. um, and I know TikTok, and I remember last year I was teaching my class and everyone was like, yeah, we don't even like barely go on Instagram. It's all TikTok. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not there. No. I'm not on the TikTok phase yet. Okay. Um, I don't, I didn't know campaigning over TikTok, no like dances to, to campaign. Yeah. I mean, that um, could be smart. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. Whoever's on the rise. Juniors, juniors listen on, maybe use TikTok. Yeah. Um, but no, no TikTok, really just Snapchat and Instagram, just okay. ways of communication. How are you, what, what devices or apps are you using to communicate with your grade right now? Like if you had a message for everyone, how are you touching base with the seniors and really the entire uh, upper school? What, do you, what are you doing there? Um, so really the main thing is our, we made a class of 2021 Instagram page. Um, so that's really our main way of communication. So um, on that, we've used it to uh, promote like the food drive, toy drive, um, and then also announce college decisions. I mean, because I know students and parents love looking at that. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we've been using that a lot just through posts or Instagram stories and then just through email. Um, yep. I mean, now students are kind of required to check their email very frequently. Yeah, so, um, so that's definitely been our, our main form of communication. Okay, that's cool. Um, and then you have the college thing going on too. How's that process been for you? I know it's we, we had Anna Follinsby, Miss Follinsby on mm -hmm. yesterday talking about all that goes into that for seniors and it's a lot of pressure and a lot of essay writing yeah. and a lot of visiting schools. And especially now it's such a curveball with COVID and how, how you go about finding the right place for you. And sometimes you can't even get on the campus. Mm -hmm. How is your college? Exp what's, what's that been like? for you? Um, it's definitely been different. So, I mean, I feel like I'm more fortunate than a lot of my, a lot of other of my classmates. So, um, being the youngest of three boys, I was obviously dragged around to mm -hmm. so many colleges when I was younger. Um, 
So I was really able to see a lot of the schools that I probably wouldn't have been able to see this year just with everything going on. Um, but it's definitely been a different experience. So um, I think the biggest thing for, for most students is just uh, how many schools have gone test optional. So um, a lot of schools aren't requiring you to to submit an ACT or SAT. And some schools even tell you not to. Like if you send it in, they're not even going to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like that's definitely been probably the biggest positive out of out of the situation. Um, definitely relieves a lot of stress from the students. Um, but then, I mean, on the other side of that, it kind of makes your essays more important. So maybe students are spending more time on essays um, and in the writing instead of doing test prep. Um, and that was definitely just trying to prioritize some uh, some writing over the summer because I know I knew coming into this this fall definitely being president um, and with sports you know, I know that was still up in the air but I knew that I was not gonna have too much free time to, to kind of mess around and, and write all my essays three weeks before before the deadline yep um, and obviously to give Miss Fonsby a break and so she doesn't have to read all my essays right before the deadline um, yeah. so I think that that was probably the the biggest challenge for me just trying to be proactive and and get those done um with with some time remaining well that's smart because you never know in this situation what the future holds and mm-hmm. we say that with lacrosse too like guys on the lacrosse team if you're kind of just sitting around right now and expecting no season right all of a sudden it's going to be february 30th or march 1st or whatever and they're going to say all right we have games and exactly. if you're not in shape and you're not ready to go you know, that proactive, that's a skill that, mm-hmm. that was probably pretty wise of you. And you're probably happy about now that. Well, I mean, it was a skill, but a little more push for my parents also. Okay. Obviously, a little that nagging helps. from them helps. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's always good. And from teachers and too. teachers, of course. Yeah. Um, so the essay, and I've talked to some of the seniors that I teach and, and every week they'd say, I have another essay due and it's a different one. It's not like you can use the same essay mm-hmm. for every school. It's all of these schools expect you to write different essays how did you manage that whole process in terms of one school wants you to write about this and then like did, were you able to use one single essay and recraft it for mm-hmm. a different school or did you write brand new essays for each um yeah so most schools have a couple supplemental essays so usually they'll have a couple options you can choose from um and usually those are anywhere from 250 words to 600 word limits um and I think oh, so that's not that bad. Mm-mm. 250 words. I mean, you can, yeah, you, you can crank that out pretty pretty quickly. Um, but those actually do require a good amount of thought because I mean, the challenge is trying to ch- present yourself and show who you are in such a few amount of words. Mm-hmm. So um, that does kind of cause you to think a little bit more about that. Um, but I really did just try to find ways to reuse essays that I've written already, trying to kind of re- reword them or reshape them to fit different schools. Um, like for my uh, University of Virginia essay, I had to write, um, I did a 250 word, um, it was, I talked about this poem we read in World War One, and uh, I just tried to use that in as many different essays as I could, because I thought it was a good essay. Um, so I used that in my U of R application, University of Richmond, um, and also in my University of Michigan um, essay. So I just tried to kind of use that essay and build around it for different word limits. So I think my U of R essay was like 650 words. So I had to add um, like 400 words around it. So it's really just kind of kind of building that puzzle of your essay mm-hmm. um, and just trying to really just save as much time. And if you have a good essay, I feel like it's, it's beneficial to, to use it multiple times. Was that Mr. Hudson's class? It was, was Mr. Hudson's R- class. Rupert Brooke, maybe? Uh, oh. It was Wilfred Owen. Oh, cool. Dolce Decorum asked. All right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's a tough process to balance and, and figure all of that out, but it sounds like you did a pretty good job with it. If you had for juniors that are coming up and starting to think about this and even, so, I mean, I'm sure sophomores are maybe it's in their brain somewhere, like college is in the future. Is there anything that you, you would maybe say in terms of not only just being proactive, but all that goes into this you know, fall and, and early winter of senior years, anything that you would recommend or suggest for them to, to do? Um, definitely do. So, I mean, I think their experience could be so much different than mine just mm-hmm. with, with how the world is. But um, I think just really trying to d- just do your research on a college before you select. So um, I think just 
really digging in. Um, I know for me, I did so many like virtual tours online, which is really helpful just being online. What so, were those like the virtual tours? Uh, it was weird. I mean, so a lot of them, um, they were really cool. I mean, they're super interactive. So like you just basically like being on Google Maps, but they had little um, little pop-ups that would tell you about different buildings and, and different um, courses and subjects. Um, and I think really just doing your research on those and trying to find the place that fits you the best. And I think really just talking to other people. So, I mean, my brothers just having been through the process themselves and, and with their friends, they were definitely probably the biggest help to me on trying to find places that I would I could see myself and where they could see me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I think reaching out to people, um, whether they're alumni or, or currently, attends the, currently attending the school is definitely um, beneficial to, to finding your place. Yeah, having brothers, I'm sure that was helpful because they know you really well and they mm -hmm. can say, Tucker, like, come on, you're not gonna like this type of Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that was definitely kind of helpful for, for leading me in the right direction. When you were visiting with your brothers, did you, we talked about this with Miss Follinsby yesterday, but did you have like a certain feeling on a campus that I can totally see myself here? Because we, we said that was probably the most important part when you're mm -hmm. visiting colleges. It's just the feeling that you get. And it's like, oh, I can, this, this is a cool place. Mm -hmm. And it might not be like, it might not be a top whatever school that you have that feeling. It could be a total shock to you that, oh, I really like Michigan State. It's beautiful here. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like this town's pretty cool. I can see myself in that bookstore, that cafe. I could study, like, it's kind of that vibe that you might get. Did you have that as a young... I don't know how old are your brothers? Are they? Uh, they're three and five years older than me, so I was probably in like eighth grade. So you probably would have mm -hmm. had this uh, that type of feeling when you were visiting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was visiting schools with them, um, usually it's just on our like road trips up to Massachusetts for for th um, for vacation. So we stopped at I don't know how many northeastern schools, um, but definitely I could tell when I got on campus, like I could see myself here, um, mm -hmm. even at such a young age. I mean, just looking at all the facilities and. Um, and just hearing from, from being on the tours, I could definitely get that feeling. Um, mm -hmm. and I was also fortunate enough to, to look at some schools before lockdown. So, um, just use, you utilize a couple of long weekends to get down to some Virginia schools, um, mm -hmm. and help. And I mean, just being on that campus, definitely get that feeling of, I could see myself here or I don't want to be here at all. Right. For sure. And so I'm not really as familiar with the virtual tours. I don't even know what those are like, but is can you kind of get that sense on the on the virtual setup? Uh, more or less. I mean, obviously, you can't really get like, yeah. I, I mean, they're they're as good as they can be, really. I mean, yeah. being on campus, obviously, I'd prefer to do that because um, you can't really get the feel of of like, I, I don't know, it's kind of indescribable just being on the campus and and seeing the student body walk around you and yeah for sure so it's, um it's it's i mean it's the same as like this type of conversation versus the conversations i have with guys on zoom exactly it's just not the same thing not right? the same at all there's an energy it emits mm -hmm. for you um, yeah cool so I, I would say your essays i mean I haven't read your essays, but I would say they're pretty good based off the senior speech I heard you give. That was that was really well done. I appreciate that. Thank maybe, you. Maybe you can kind of people who, who didn't get the opportunity to check that out. What was that senior speech like and maybe your process in writing that and trying to figure out what you wanted to write about for that? Uh, definitely a challenge. So um, I can say that was the first ever Gilman virtual senior speech. So um, I think just presenting it was definitely just super unique being in the auditorium with only Mr. Ledyard, Mr. Hubeck, Mr. <laughs> Daly, and, and my family. Um, and then just writing it, um, it took me so long to think about what to write about. Um, I probably went, I probably wrote three different, S, like three different drafts of, of topics. And um, really my main speech, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I wrote like two days before because the other ones that I wrote, I just thought were were terrible and didn't get my message across. Mm. Um, so I wrote about, uh, my speech was about my time in South Africa when I did in the exchange program through Gilman um, and kind of comparing that to the, to the isolation that I felt um, with, uh, with quarantine. So my first two weeks there, obviously being in a completely different country with, with different people um, definitely was challenging. Um, and so I talked about feeling that isolation there, not knowing anyone, and then being trapped in my house the following spring um, and kind of not interacting with any of my, any of my good friends um, and being not missing the Gilman community a lot. Um, and so that was, 
really the main purpose of my essay just or my, my speech just trying to kind of portray that um and i just felt that that was the best use of the speech compared to the other drafts that i wrote yeah well you could especially last spring you kind of had to tie everything into and now too but tie it into the situation we're currently facing right i mm-hmm. mean the old world in a sense is like in in the past and hopefully in the near future but it, we're we're in something bizarre and that has never happened before so even though you wrote your speech like a couple of days before you gave it it's totally fitting to the situation and it makes sense right that isolated feeling uh, when you were in a new country. Exactly. And just cult. missing the Gilman community was really the, the main theme of that. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone felt that last spring. Um, and it's definitely something that I felt last summer yeah. or two summers ago. So that was sophomore year when you de- after down? Yeah, after sophomore year. So what made you choose South Africa? Why'd you, why'd you want to go there? Um, so that was one of the options they gave us. So I think um, we either could have, I think for sophomores, the only um, exchange we could have gone on was was to South Africa. Um I've always, I mean, I've just always thought had a kind of fascination with history, um, mm-hmm. especially like colonial history. So um, uh, learning about South Africa through Mr. Hudson's class um, sophomore year, and um, that kind of inspired me to to go on the retreat or go on the exchange, and then also talking to William Rice, um, the boy who went on the exchange with the the previous year. Um, learning about his experience, I mean, it just sounded like a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, did you were you able to get over <laughs> get over that initial isolation? Mm-hmm, uh, absolutely, yeah. So I mean, obviously, first couple of weeks were kind of were obviously a little hard, just trying to make new friends and get to know people. I mean, just literally being the only American in I don't know, yeah, thousands of miles, basically. Right. Uh, but I mean, it was probably the most unbelievable experience of my life, just being able to meet um, and become friends with with guys from completely different backgrounds than mine. Um, yeah, I mean, after my first two weeks, it was so much fun getting to know the guys there. And when you first got there, were there like cultural shocks for you, or things that you were like, "This is so bizarre coming from America that that this is, you know, people do things that much differently in South, you know, South yeah, Africa." For sure, for sure. So I think the biggest thing for me was just kind of the the subcultures within Cape Town. So Cape Town's a super diverse city. Um, and I remember kind of my first couple days there, um, talking to my friend Peter and his phone rings, picks up the phone. He's like, sorry, my mom's calling, answers it, and then just starts talking a completely different language. And I'm just like, yeah. well, what is that? Like, what's going on? And so I think that, I mean, Cape Town, they have um, Afrikaners, which are kind of of Dutch heritage. So they speak, in, I think South Africa has probably 11 different national languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, just... Being around so many different cultures and languages and hearing that all around me was definitely a big, a big shock. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the coolest things out of it, though, just being able to learn from all those things. Absolutely. Especially if you like history and you like culture mm-hmm. and the food probably was much different. Yeah, right? food, very different. Very different. How'd you find what were some things you found in common with the, the people there? Um, I was, I mean, I think just the, uh, the high school boys are basically the same. I mean... Unlike uh, the school that I went to is a huge sports school, so they're super into rugby um, and definitely could draw some parallels to like, so South African high school rugby is probably like Texas football. So like everyone goes out to a massive fans and stadiums. Um, and I would say just the boys there, um, I mean, you could place them into, into Gilman and they, they fit in perfectly. Mm. I mean, just seeing their um, personalities and that was probably the, biggest I, that was another culture shock just kind of how surprisingly similar they the boys there were to, to the gilman boys here hmm. interesting how the shock was the similarities mm-hmm. between between you um that's awesome well that sounds like a perspective shaping experience for you and you said that was half a year was that a full year no so it was just a couple months in the summer just a couple months in summer yeah okay. i've always wanted to be one of the chaperones that they go over uh, with yeah, the students and then you're just kind of on your own and then you fly home. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I went with Miss Louver and she went, she, I think she flew down, she flew down with me and then left two days later. And the flight was, I think 27 hours. Really? So, she didn't hang out. No, but no, I mean, good for her for being able to, to withstand two long flights Man, within a week. I couldn't do that. I know. Um, 
Wow. So that's, that's pretty cool. So Gilman school, you've been here pretty much. Have you been here your whole life? I came in ninth grade. I went to Calvert school before. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Calvert. What was that? How did that experience at Calvert set you up well for Gilman? Um, I would say, I mean, I don't People people like to rag on Calvert a little bit. Really? Uh, it's kind of a joke within Gilman, just all these Calvert kids. Um, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of Calvert kids come to Gilman. That's like I th- yeah, main, I, mean, I think we had 19 kids in my class, main feeder. which is just kind of an outrageous number. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, just being, I think the the biggest thing that Calvert prepared me for was the academics at Gilman. I mean, Calvert's kind of known to be a pretty um, rigorous middle and elementary school. I mean, they teach you we learned cursive like right when we get, we got there. So it's really the discipline and kind of work ethic that, um, that goes with being a Gilman student kind of was instilled in me at Calvert, um, with writing and papers and just overall academics. That's probably the biggest thing that Calvert prepared me for coming into high school. So when you came in ninth grade, it wasn't too much of a adjustment for you. No, not at all. Fit right in and already started to love what Gilman had to offer. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, having older brothers that went here yeah. again going back to that um that yeah, that's definitely helps so i mean although i've i've been at gilman for four years i've really been in the community for a while just coming to all my brother's sports games or um or just different events here gotcha and were your brothers lacrosse players too um one play i mean semi i mean they weren't too serious with lacrosse yeah. um and clayton my middle brother had a so he had a shoulder issue so he had to quit a couple okay. years early so sports have always been a big part of your life mm-hmm. from your Calvert days through your Gilman senior year. Um, what sports do you play? What do you, what do you do? So I, I'm a soccer and lacrosse player. I was a brief stint on the squash team, but hung up the racket a couple of oh, years yeah. ago. Um, it's a lifetime sport. You can always is, pick it back exactly. up. Exactly. I know. I thought, I mean, I don't know how long we'll be able to play with soccer and lacrosse for, but I know, I know squash will be in my back pocket for forever. Absolutely. I mean, I'm the middle school squash coach with, with coach oh, right. Emola, I forgot about that. Yeah. and i get in the court with some of these sixth graders and i get run around and beat you know zero to eleven so it's a good time i'm always working to to beat some of these middle school kids uh-huh. um but it's fun like i've i've played a lot my dad plays and yeah yeah squash is a great sport mm-hmm. um but how have sports kind of factored into your life are there you know any experiences that come to mind at Gilman that are special to you as a senior in terms of your lacrosse and soccer careers here? Um, absolutely. I mean, sports have always been a major part of my life. Just um, playing club and, and rec throughout my childhood and, and up till now. Um, and at Gilman, I mean, I think I've just I've loved being a part of every team here. Um, so, I mean, lacrosse obviously last year was a pretty big bummer just with our season being cut short. For sure. Um, but soccer last year was so much fun and so enjoyable just being a part of kind of the varsity team. Um, and I mean, being in the playoffs, which is the playoff atmosphere with, I mean, Gilman in the MIA just has unbelievable student sections and mm-hmm. there's such a competitive atmosphere here. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that just heightens the experience completely. Um, it just makes it so much more fun and enjoyable and competitive. Um, and then... Um, that might be one of the best things about Gilman and the MIAA is, you know, if you play sports here, you're in one of the most competitive leagues in the country, even in college. And like when guys, obviously when you're in high school, you want to go to the next level, you want to play college. But I think to some degree, you don't realize that it might not get much better than this. Exactly. Like my games in college, people are leaving. It was too cold. The (laughs) lacrosse was, you know, so-so. Lacrosse here, like we pack these stands we have people on the hill I'm sure the same is mm-hmm. for soccer too like everyone comes out baltimore is a small town exactly it doesn't get much better it than doesn't than i mean I, whenever um i talk to someone who's not from baltimore and they ask what sports like and like what's the most like exciting sport i say volleyball and they're all shocked so i mean volleyball in the mia is such a big deal i mean just getting everyone over the old gym and kind of the acoustics in there just really make the experience kind of unbelievable i mean mm-hmm. That was probably the biggest bummer, just not being able to go to volleyball games this this fall. Yeah, student section there. And it's just that sport just is the perfect, and I don't know much about volleyball, but just it's like one it's one play after another. And like you can, like if you have a spike in one play, the place erupts and then you're back into it. Exactly, yeah. So it's, it's I don't know how to describe, it's indescribable how 
exciting volleyball can be. I mean, usually people would be like, oh, why would you play volleyball? That's so weird, like volleyball. But I mean, you really got to experience it to believe it. Yeah. I remember walking in that old gym my first year here. I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Like yeah. both sides going at it. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, so how about some coaches or some like maybe some role models for you as you've coming through Gilman in terms of just sports right now? But like, is there anyone kind of affected you and helped you develop as an athlete? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I think all my coaches have really helped me as an athlete. I mean, I think Coach Nostrant, especially um, these past two years, um, him being there just with the whole college process, helping me out with that. Uh, and then just kind of, I know last year, um, every Wednesday morning in the fall, we do um, morning workouts as a lacrosse team. And I mean, that was kind of his, his role and also with the seniors last year. Um, I think just kind of teaching you that work ethic and kind of just showed me that to really get the most out of your spring, you got to put in the work in the fall mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and kind of just come together as a team so early on in the school year um, to really kind of push for our goals in, in May. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I took away from from him and my varsity experience last year. Yeah, I think you're that's spot on what we were trying to do in the fall and the mornings was just get the guys together. If nothing else, you're working out together and getting to know each other, exactly, yeah. identifying some leaders and, you know, figure out who's pushing themselves in the off season. That's what that's all about. It's not like, you know, it's not like we're putting in plays or running drills or anything. We're mm -hmm. just, we're just doing a workout. And it doesn't matter what it is. If we're playing pickup basketball, it's like this, this guy wants to win. Like we can, mm -hmm. we can identify that. So exactly. Yeah. That's something that we've been missing a little bit this year. Is I know. I really enjoy doing that too. I know. I mean, I, I had fun. one little little car accident going to, to practice one time last last fall. But uh, you still got that, there though, right? I did get there. Which, a couple, ten minutes late. That backed into my uncle's car. But <laughs> that's commitment right there. That's good. Um, awesome. So maybe so the kind of the essence of the podcast is path to follow, and like I just look around at Gilman and see so many passionate people. Whether it's coaches like Coach Matthews, Coach Nostrand. Coach Seal, um, Coach Guline, Coach Emla, like all these, all these coaches here and teachers too, right? Everyone mm -hmm. is just super passionate about what they teach, what they coach, even advisory. Like Coach Hudson was in here talking about how valuable his advisees are to him. Who are some of kind of the role models that have made this experience at Gilman unique or special to you? And you know, you can't really name everyone because everyone is passionate but is there anyone that comes to mind with that question about like who who is like truly passionate here at Gilman in your mind yeah I mean obviously there are obviously too many names to count I feel like every yeah. every member of the staff and faculty here love Gilman and are passionate about what they teach or what they do um I'll probably say the first one comes to mind is Mr. Hastings. So I'm currently in his Ulysses class. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know you had him on the podcast talk about Ulysses. Yep. And I did not know anyone could be as kind of passionate into, into a book as confusing and as hard as Ulysses than Mr. Hastings. I mean, yep. his dedication to it. Um, I mean, he made his own website about it. He's writing his own book about it. I mean, mm -hmm. really, it's his, his dedication and passion to, to the subject is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Another one is kind of is Mr. Hudson, like you mentioned, I already had him on the podcast as well. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of a history nerd. So being in his class this year and sophomore year, I've enjoyed every part about it. I mean, he just knows, knows the material so well and loves and loves teaching it. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, like World War One is probably one of my favorite classes I've ever had here. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are probably two, two that come to mind for sure. Yeah. How's that Ulysses class going for you? That's a tough. It, it's a tough book to get through. I'm not gonna lie, but I mean, but that, you have the expert right there. I, I, that's what makes it kind of bearable. <laughs> just, um, just being having him kind of guide us through the book. I mean, his website that he that he made is so in depth into. Do you it, use that as a resource as all a the student? Time. All the time. All the time. You have to. So what do you? So do you just read the like like his explanation of it and then read or do you? So I usually read Ulysses first. I mean, I try to get okay. through it, even though I understand probably like. 30% of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then really going through his, his reading guides on, on the website helped me understand it better um, and helps. He really like points out specific um, passages or, or different instances that I should really pick up, pick up on while I read. Hmm. How does he, like, how does he go about 
um, a class discussion about that text because it's so difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. like you might pick up one paragraph and really connect with it and understand it. And I, I don't even know what that that's talking about. I don't even know what that's saying. How does he get everyone involved with that? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really what he does. He, he tells us, he, we go into class and really is like, is there anything interesting or, or something that you think we should talk about? And I think just with a book like that, so many people are able to pull out so many different um, aspects or, or instances from that book that we're really able to have um, a beneficial discussion about the whole like section that we're reading. So mm -hmm. um, one person might pick up something about like Bloom's walk or, or where he's going and something might someone might pick up something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, and I think mm -hmm. that really just helps build kind of a good discussion and a good basis for, for the class. Yeah, it's such a such a difficult book. I remember I know. reading it in college, like during lacrosse season, and it just oh, takes God. so much time. It, like, it's a time commitment. You and... have to invest in it. And um, Mr. Baker actually is is reading it right now after watching Mr. Hastings on the podcast talk about it. Um, but he's he's flying through it. It just it takes a lot of time. Like you have to, if you want to read that book, you have to be serious about it. I know, it. and it gets exhausting at times. I mean, just not really. I think the biggest thing for me is just kind of the frustration with it just not being able to kind of pick up on different things and different kind of when he talks about like aristotle or some subtle hints about yeah stuff. all the illusions right? a lot of illusions and um metaphors that i just don't really understand but like you have to be pretty well read in advance to reading that mm -hmm. you know and um and i said this when patrick was on the podcast is like one of the first times i met him he had ulysses on his desk and he was like, yeah, I want to read that book every day for the rest of my life. And I'm like, I know this guy is serious about it. he's Ulysses. read it like 19 times, 20 times, something ridiculous. And I like mean, he, he'll read it every, I mean, he teaches it, but he's reading it every, you walk by his office and he's reading it. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what he, that's probably the biggest emphasis he puts on the book. He says it rewards you, rewards rereading it because there's so many different little puzzles or, or things you can place together each time you read it, you pick up something new. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and that's, I think that's a perfect example of someone who's passionate. Like imagine taking a class with a guy like that, who's that passionate about it. Exactly. It's I mean, pretty that's, rare. that's probably the best thing about Gilman. I mean, just having the, the faculty and staff that are so dedicated to, to helping their students and into what they're teaching. For sure. Um, excellent. So, so Tucker, you said you, you brought a book in or you have a title that you would recommend to other people. Maybe it's not Ulysses, but you have something else that struck you when you first read it. Um, yes. A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. Read that um, for summer reading um, and talked a lot about that this year in World War I. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I, I'm a big kind of history nerd. Um, so I love all things related to World War I, World War II, um, really any like military history is kind of my, my favorite thing to, to learn about. Did you read this for Hudson's World yes, War One class? We did World War One class. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's a tough book too. I mean, for a lot of it, it's. The, I mean, first of all, Hemingway the language is so simple, and the relationship. What's her name again? Catherine Barclay. Catherine Barclay and Frederick Henry, the two main characters. It's really a love story. Right? Yeah, it, it is about, a love story about those two and um, their relationship during the war. He's a he's an ambulance driver. Ambulance driver, um, and she's a nurse. And so um, they meet before, um, in the beginning of the book, He his friend takes him over to, to meet Miss Barkley. And then um, they kind of start this relationship. And then, unfortunately, he's injured by an artillery barrage. And so he's transported out to Milan. And then she's also transported to Milan um, as a nurse. So she takes care of him in Milan. And they kind of start this whole love story together. Um, and that was probably the biggest, I was kind of surprised that we're reading a love story for World War One, mm -hmm. um, But really, it just shows kind of, the how war can affect everyone in, in different ways and how these these two characters are able to kind of try to maintain their love during such a dark time mm -hmm. yeah it's like the only beautiful thing in their life right and the descriptions as simple as Hemingway is are, are beautiful too mm -hmm. even during you know the injuries and the deaths and the destruction the way that's described it's kind of the um it offsets the beauty of their relationship exactly is, yeah yeah ending is pretty tragic yeah too, very but, tragic ending um, but um but i'm glad that was a good so did you talk about it at the beginning of the year in your World War we did class? we okay. did so we probably spent 
two or three weeks talking about the book um and we just go through kind of chapter by chapter talking about significant occurrences or uh just i mean with Hemingway, there's just so much like symbolism and foreshadowing in that book um trying to pick out different instances of that um was definitely a, a really enjoyable experience well, with his writing, it's all like the iceberg theory, right? He puts, you know, the simple sentences, but there's a whole like psychological undercurrent mm-hmm. throughout everything that he writes about. So mm-hmm. you can definitely pick that apart. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, awesome. So we'll, we'll put that in there as a book recommendation. You think, yeah, I think it works for anyone. Everyone should read it. Right? I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I hope other people would enjoy it too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously that's what I'm, I'm really into. Um, but I think that definitely, uh, that's definitely a book I'd recommend and definitely a class I'd recommend for, for juniors or, or underclassmen looking to fill up their senior schedule. For sure. Coach Hudson, he's, he's awesome. Yep. Did you, were you able to go on one of his trips? With Unfortunately, him? I was not able to. Um, no. I think just with, I mean, I would have loved to, but with, with summer lacrosse, that kind of didn't let me, I would have got, I would have loved to go on it last summer. I mean, it got canceled, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think just with, with summer lacrosse, I would not been, a, would not have been able to. Have you done much travel in Europe yet as a history? Guy? I have not. No, oh, that's something not to look forward to. For I know sure. exactly. Definitely want to do that. Um, travel abroad in college. Definitely do a semester there. So I'm going to ask you a question that I actually always hated people when people asked me this. Um, and, you know, still, like, when people ask you, like, what are you going to do next? It's like, just let me enjoy my senior. <laughs> but I'm curious because you've offered so much about history and your interest in it. Is that something that you might want to study maybe? And I know, like, Mr. Scott, I'm like, Coach Scott, I'm looking and trying to get into college now. I'm like not there yet, but is that something that's floating around in your head? I want to study history. I think that's probably what path I want to go down in college. I mean, I just don't, only issue is I don't really know what to do with that degree after college. So that's definitely something I want to take into account. But I mean, I've always had a a love for history. That's definitely something I'm interested in. Oh, I think you can do anything with history. I hope so. I I have a friend I went to school with, he was a history major and he loved it, but he's like a shoe designer. Oh, really? And he just, like, he started his own uh, fashion company. Oh, interesting. Because it's really, I mean, you can, like, history or English or any liberal arts sub- subject, the purpose of it is to enhance whatever it is you do when you get out. Because who knows what the world is going to look like when you go into school in 2021, you get out and it's 2025 or 2026. Mm-hmm. Everything might be different. But if you have that background in history, you can take that and apply it to whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about this guy, Sean McDonough, who's who's a lacrosse player too, studied history, but like he was always doing shoe drawings and like it's a pretty really. cool side interest, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if, I mean, you can balance the liberal arts with another passion that you have and fuse them together, you know, create some type of talent stack and exactly. it doesn't really yeah. matter, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's... I think if you're passionate about it, I know. I mean, you sound yeah. like you are. I'm very, yeah, that's definitely something. I mean, something I've always loved. So I'm definitely interested in, in pursuing that in college. How'd you How'd you first get into history? How'd you first know that you liked it? Has it? It's probably just through movies. I mean, I love movies. history movies and um, like Band of Brothers, the HBO series is one of my favorites. Um, I mean, movies like Saving Private Ryan, 1917, um, Apocalypse Now. I mean, all of those. I just, I just love. Oh, so no wonder you love Hudson's class because yeah. I know he shows a good amount of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, we watched um, They Shall Not Grow Old, which is mm-hmm. kind of a documentary. Um, that was really unbelievable um, documentary of, of World War One. So it's like colorized, colorized exactly. Yeah. Um, kind of re- just restored footage from World War One. That was pretty amazing to see. Oh, cool. Um, so Tucker, class president, what is what? And I know it's hard right now as we go into winter break, but what is your like kind of read on your class and, and on the school, on the upper school right now um, as we go into the rest of the year? Do you think, um, how do you think guys are doing? And, and like, I just kind of want to get a sense from you as the school president, like what the student vibe is, because I think I said it on a previous podcast. I come to school every day and it's like I get to go to my favorite class, like my mm-hmm. favorite subject. It's like you going to history, but everyone else is, you know, they have three classes, got different things they're doing they have the college. What do you think is working pretty well so far this year that we can continue to do or maybe some things that can change throughout the rest of the year? Um, yeah, I mean, th- oh, what's crack? Uh, I think the <laughs> biggest thing uh, the students are kind of 
are struggling with is I, it's a little hard just to the hybrid learning. I mean, I think either just being online or um, or being in person is is definitely I think preferable. Um, I know students kind of get bored of kind of come a lot of students like for me example I come into school but I still have online classes and that's kind of um, definitely a, a weird thing just not being around kind of people I mean I have to sit in like a room by myself at school um, and, and while I'm doing an online class which is kind of it's definitely awkward yeah it's I little, just don't really know a way around that though you know like, I know that, that's probably the biggest I mean a lot of the, the things that students would kind of complain about are kind of out of out of our control nothing we can do about it mm-hmm. um who so let me just interrupt you there sorry uh what teacher do you have that's doing like a really good job with this hybrid model because i i know that everyone has a different system way of doing things i have what you're talking about is like i have guys in the physical classroom but they're still on zoom because mm-hmm. i have more guys on zoom like streaming in but i know mr baker obviously like he he'll do 35 minutes just with the physical Sounds so weird. We're in such a weird time. I know. Physical students, and then he does like half the time with the virtual students. Um, I'm at, I think going back to Mr. Hastings. So um, what we really do in class is we'll have probably 40, 45 minutes on Zoom. Um, so we, while he also has the people in class, so we set up the owl and we kind of just have our class discussion normally for like 40, 45 minutes. Um, and then he lets the Zoom guys go early because I mean, obviously being on Zoom for 70 minutes can be a little exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. And then we really just have kind of a conversation afterwards with the, with the people in person. Okay. Um, I think that's probably been one of the more enjoyable experiences out of this hybrid learning because um, we still have that interaction with with the people on Zoom um, that we like don't see every day. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also have the, the classroom uh, discussion, which is really enjoyable. That's great. Yeah, I think that's smart to cut cut things off virtually for, you know, leave like 15, 20 minutes in class and then just talk to the guys in in school Mm -hmm. that's meaningful i think for you guys who are Mm -hmm. actually you know in person how about like your math and science classes i don't i was saying the other day i haven't really seen the math and science teachers which is crazy because we usually eat eat lunch together and hang out and talk about what's going on in Mm -hmm. that building what's what what are those classes what have those classes been like for you so my math class is all online so mr nanandos is staying home for the entire year so that's been definitely a, a challenge i feel like i mean a lot of math um or math classes in the past has been just doing work and kind of having a teacher come over to you and kind of show you where you went wrong or do stuff up on the board um so that's kind of been a challenge i feel like for for math this year um just, I mean, our classes consist of him using his kind of iPad to, to write out problems and kind of going through them. And then he kind of sent us off on our own to, to do some practice problems. Um, so that's been a challenge this year for, for math. And then um, for bio, I'm taking AP biology this year with, with Mr. Fitz. And that has definitely been, he's, I think he's been really good at and proactive at kind of shifting his, his teaching from in-person to online. Um, yeah, he's told me a little bit about that. He's, mm-hmm. he's, I think he teaches an online class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he teaches a GOA, which yep. I think has definitely prepared him well for for this transition to online learning. Um, so before we usually just go into class, he'd throw up a PowerPoint, we'd take notes, kind of go go through different um, go through different sections. But now um, he's kind of shifted his learning to he'll post a couple video like loom videos so it's him kind of talking over his presentation mm-hmm. so we'll watch those and then answer some questions but then he's also been um kind of encouraging a lot of group work so we've done i think probably four or five presentations on on the different subjects and, and chapters we've done this year um and i've really enjoyed that i mean we've gone on so many different tangents about biology and that's been really fun to to do some research on on different topics like we did a corona to- or covid topic oh that's um, good Kind of, so he was able to kind of combine or to pull out what we're learning in the in the class, relate that to Corona, and then um, we went out on our own and researched a little bit about that. That's great. Yeah, the GOA seems like it's working pretty well for him. And he's he told me something about the way he communicates with you guys. Does he send you emails or does he use a different platform? Maybe it's just with his GOA course, but um, he uses his email. So I think Canvas has like some some options to send out like kind of notification emails. So that's what really what he uses to communicate with us. Okay. 
Yeah, I think there, there's another platform you might use for his GOE. I'll, I'll have to get him in here to talk about that. But there's is just it, is it Remind maybe? Because I know Mr. Hastings uses kind of like Remind, which is this text message thing to send out. Okay, send out some. Has that been helpful? For that you? has been helpful. So remind. I mean, he he sends out like reminds, um, like morning, like we have class at eight a.m. at like seven forty-five, just to try to get wake some people up before class. Oh, okay. So that's definitely been a help. Yeah, I've tried to for my senior elective start just a little bit later and give them mm -hmm. a little bit more time to sleep in. But I think probably just sleep in like those extra 15 minutes more. So it doesn't really do much. Yeah. Um, 8 a.m. for seniors is a tough time. But, it is. You know. But I mean, being at home lets you sleep in a little longer, which is, yeah, that's probably one of the downsides of coming back to school, having to wake up a little earlier. Yeah. Probably one of my only complaint. For sure. So what are you looking forward to class pre or school president rest of the year? Um, Anything you're really looking forward to in, in a time like this? Uh, we have break coming up, but when we get back, you know, we have four or five more months of school. Um, and as a leader, like anything that we can look to and look forward to in those final months of the year? Uh, I mean, I hope, I mean, I think really the, I just don't know. I mean, it's everything's so unknown. I mean, I'd love to be back on. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is I look forward to being back on campus. Yeah. I mean, just being able to walk by people in the halls, have conversations with different people, um, just kind of get back to to a feeling of normality and just being able to to be be on campus and kind of have a normal a normal school year um, yeah. and just being together. I mean, I think there hasn't been a time this year where the entire senior class has been in one space at one time. So mm -hmm. I think that'd probably be what I'm looking forward to the most next yeah. year. Yeah, I, I do miss the assemblies. That I know, assemblies are always, I mean, coming in, I feel like it's always just a good energy in there. Um, and you just see everyone, you know, know. in the same space. That's something that, that I'm missing too a little bit. Mm. But of course, we're looking forward to a lacrosse season, yep. whatever form that might be. I, I'm pretty optimistic that it will happen, mm. even if it's just a couple games. Even if it's just, you know, Boys Latin and Calvert Hall and McDonough or whoever, right? Like, yeah, I'm hoping that we can get that going. So I know I, that's definitely what I, I'm really hopeful for that. Uh, I mean, I, I think after how successful our soccer season was, I mean, even though we had a few games, we're still able to have some competitive play. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we can hopefully with um, I don't know if the vaccine is going to change anything in March and in April, but hopefully we'll have some good news going into lacrosse season. Absolutely. Um, well, Tucker, it's been a pleasure to discuss Thank all the happenings on. as a senior. Um, you know, we've been talking about getting you on. So, you know, thanks for coming in. Of course. Best Thank of luck with everything me. as the school president. You've Thank got a lot you. of responsibility, but you're doing a great job. So um we'll see you around thank you and once the uh once the swag coming out i saw that on oh on thanks Instagram. For, thank you for reminding me so i have those they're in the mail um my my dad is in the sportswear business so he, okay. he he's the guy he hooks it all up so he's has sent that and if you're looking for a christmas present which we all are we all i'm are. scrambling i need to you know i need to figure out what to get some people um we do have some path to follow long sleeve dry fits and I'm going to hook you up, obviously, Sounds since good. you Absolutely. came on the podcast. But if not, reach out to me at Path to Follow Pod. Uh, we're on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Podbean is like where all the podcasts are housed. And um, Spotify. So check it out. And thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, guys. Bye.